welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Man, I couldn't sleep last night. I was up late looking at my notes. I've had a week full of revelation and impartation. And so um, Annie asked me this morning or said something about the preaching and Gavin was there and said, we're praying for you. I said, I'm not sure you're prepared for what's coming today. I'm not sure you, you were praying for this, but I'm, I'm ready to bring God's word today. And all that I would ask is that you would have an open heart. Helps if you have an open notepad or app on your phone, but I really believe that the Lord wants to speak to you today. I really believe that God's word, His voice is always trying to speak And so we just need to have hearts that are open and prepared to listen. And that requires humility. It requires us lowering ourselves. I know some of you are older, you're smarter, you're probably better communicators than I am. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But here today in this moment, I'm asking that you would humble yourself, not before me, but before God and allow God to come and touch your life. Young people, I'm asking you before you head back to school, I'm asking you that you just give the Lord this this half an hour to an hour to two to three hours. I'm just making it broad. Um, But you would just open up your heart in this moment and allow the Lord to do something deep inside of you. My prayer is that you do not see this as a rehearsal for another moment in your life. But you see this as a moment that God wants to do something incredible in the here and now. One of our challenges as Western Christians is that we are so good at doing church that sometimes we're in a moment where the Lord's moving and we're missing it. We're missing it. You know, this time of year is a popular time of year to really to talk about vision and goals and New Year's resolutions. Who set some goals this year? My hands up high. Who set some New Year's resolutions? Who, who bought the gym membership? Come on, confess. Who, who said, yep, yep, who, who, yeah, but you don't need it. That's, uh, that's not fair raising your hand. That's just rude, actually. Um, the most shredded guy's like, yeah, I bought the gym membership. Like, whatever. Um, <laughs> sorry, man, just messing. Um, did anyone set some New Year's resolutions? It's that time of year, right? It's that time to set goals. I set a few and um, in different areas. And, um, but what's more important, I believe, to talk about than vision is to talk about purpose. Because vision is something that has an end date. But purpose is something that we live with throughout our lives. We were created with a purpose. And in creation, when we were created in Genesis 1, we were created for fellowship with God, intimate relationship. It's the Hebrew word yada. It means to intimately know. It's the same Hebrew word that is used when a man knows his wife, is intimate with his wife. That type of relationship is the one that we were created to live in. We were created with a purpose. And vision, 
also has the tendency to become humanistic because often with our unrenewed thinking, we end up pulling vision towards earthly goals. And we start pulling vision. It has the tendency to be humanistic simply because our unrenewed mind is trying to process and filter what God is saying, but we're doing it through unrenewed thinking. And so as a result, God is talking to us about influence, but we interpret that through the filter of our talents, our skills, our experience and what we've been through. And so whilst God's speaking about, uh, say, for example, influence, as a preacher, we interpret that as a full stadium. But it's oftentimes God's God's not talking about a full stadium God's actually talking about an, an influence. In fact, I want to suggest to you to morning, this morning, I have the boldness to prophetically declare it. We should never cap God by seeing a filled stadium. We should never cap God by making it a specific thing. Now, there are those times where the Lord speaks and gives specific things. But friend, what we've got to have in our life is this anchor of purpose and coming towards that. See, um, See, see, when we live on vision, one of the challenges with, with vision is when we have an, an unmatured or a broken or a corrupt identity. When we live out of vision, right, and we uh, have, we're unmatured, we're broken, we have this corrupt, unhealed identity, we live out well. We live out of a corrupt identity, and then we are focused on destiny. We're focused on destiny, and because we are focused on destiny, you and I think destiny is a destination. But you might have heard me say today, in the context of the kingdom, destiny is not a place. Destiny for a believer is a person. Did you hear that? Destiny is not a place. It's not when you get the business or get the car or get the new residential address. Destiny for a believer is a person. And we know the apostles lived this out because wherever they went, they were the church of Jesus Christ. Whether it was in a prison, they were the church. They were full of God's power. They operated in the things of God's spirit. But when you live out of an unmatured, broken, corrupt identity and your focus is destiny, you are always going to live in a realm that is, that is um, second-guessing God because you've interpreted what He has for your life as a place rather than leaning into just the person of who Jesus is. And it's amazing when you live out of a whole, healed, Christ-given identity and purpose, how you can make a prison a sanctuary. How you can make, you, you can make a workplace, a boss, an annoying boss, a bully. You can make him a project of prayer to see the kingdom of God come and invade that place. It's amazing how when you live in that environment, when you live in that place out of identity, wholeness, that you know the Lord is, um, you know, the the Lord is with you because He loves you. Not because you earned it or because you deserved it, but simply because of His grace. Then you and I have this wonderful opportunity to take church everywhere, to be the church of Jesus in the world. 
to be the church. As we launch into this year, we're, we're in, a few, in a few weeks, actually, it's going to be really exciting. We're going to have like a commissioning service where we pray for a whole lot of our staff and new team members, which you'll see their faces around the place and involved in different things. It's going to be absolutely awesome. We're also just going to talk to you about what the next six to 12 months look like around our team. We want to be really transparent around um, just our finances and what that looks like and the different needs there. And, um, and, and also obviously talk about some of the things that we see in our heart as we pray for what's ahead of us as a church. And um, today, I suppose, as we talk about purpose, um, one of the things that I've been thinking about as we talk about purpose as a church family is we must talk about the anointing. We've got to talk about the anointing. The anointing deals less with who we are and more in the realm of what He calls us to do. Where we are going, where you are going, when I say we, let's say it like this, where you are going, you, not the preacher, not a church leader, you. Where you are going requires the anointing of God. Where you are going, the anointing, is God's enabling power moving through the whole believer for the purpose of God. Where you are going, you need the anointing of God. The purpose of God will not be fulfilled in your life if you're not someone that does not go in that enabling power of God's anointing. You need His anointing. Can I put a challenge out there today? If you wake up every day, if you wake up week after week after week after week after week and you do not come to a place in your life where you say, God, I actually need you in this moment to come through because it is impossible to see this thing change, turn around, be healed, break through, whatever the case might be, then friend, you are purely living. Are you ready for this? I know it's early. We're not even in February yet. You are purely living a religious existence. You're not Christian, you're religious. Woo! I just made that sound to ease the tension. And I'm saying that and I want to come strong today. I want to come strong today because I want you to live the purpose of God. Why not be so, and, and let me just clarify, not because uh, the purpose of God means fame and money and earthly power, but because the purpose of God means that God gets glory out of some, out of not, he, he gets glory from your life and that is our sole motivation. Our sole motivation is not big buildings and big crowds and nice cars. Our sole motivation is God today. How can I give you glory? And in order to do so, we are gonna need the anointing. Where we are going and what He's calling us to do requires us to be anointed. And so we must understand what the anointing is for. Are you there? Can I talk real today? I'm just gonna talk, then we'll, we'll, we'll do something at the end. It'll be fun. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be anointed are not, are quite, are not quite the same things. They're very closely connected, but they're not quite the same things. Often we use both of them to, to mean the same things. But when I was praying for Gavin, for example, I was asking the anointing to be on him. 
Because I already know that the Holy Spirit is within him. But he needs an anointing. Now that word anointing simply means God's enabling power. And so when Gavin goes on the mission field, what I'm asking is not for the Holy Spirit. That would be an incorrect prayer to pray because he already has the Holy Spirit. I'm asking that the anointing of God, the God's enabling power would come upon him. Now, in the Old Testament, the anointing is the, the, the Hebrew word, was, is the word mishka. And it simply means to dab or to smear, mishka. The Greek word for the word anointing is chrisma, chrisma. And it means to anoint, to anoint with oil. It mean, well, to, to anoint. And in the Old Testament, the anointing oil was used as a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The oil was prepared in line with the Mosaic law, all these herbs and spices, that's another whole sermon. And uh, it was prepared, it was sanctified, it was there. And then the oil, a prophet, a prophet, a prophet would use the oil, they would get the oil and they'd grab that oil and they would, they would smear, they would mark, they would rub, they would dab, they would smear the oil over the thing that they were anointing. The prophets would anoint many different things. They would anoint men, they, they were, would anoint kings and they would anoint future leaders. They, were, they would anoint priests. There were also items of furniture in the tabernacle of God which were anointed. Why were they anointed? They were anointed because they needed to be sanctified or they needed to be, in kind of normal language, they needed to be set apart for their intended use to give glory to God. And so we see when the anointing came upon, for example, came upon Jehu when one of the sons of the prophets, I believe it's in 1 Kings chapter 9, anoints Jehu king. He comes in, he goes into that room an ordinary man, but he comes out an oily man. You could know in those dry Palestinian deserts who had just been anointed, there would have been oil trails. Could you imagine the little girl with her mum saying, what's that? That's oil in the... In, in, in the shape of a footprint, a man of God has walked here. Such the anointing should be upon our lives that wherever we go, we should leave traces of the oil of the anointing of God in conversations, in our relationships with people, the oil. And so the oil in the Old Testament was a symbolic act it was the Holy Spirit. God worked with that individual to bring to pass His will on earth. Now, when the apostles used the word in the New Testament, it had a different meaning to what was in the Old Testament. Look at this in 1 John chapter 2, 27. It's on the screen. But the anointing which you have received abides from Him, sorry, from Him abides in you. So remember, the Old Testament anointing oil a prophet would put it on you. We're in a New Testament now. And you do not need that anyone teaches you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. So before Jesus died, let me rush through this. Before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit could not dwell inside people. That was a part of, of the fall 
of mankind. The human race had a sinful nature and that sinful nature prevented God from dwelling in them, in us. And until that sin problem was resolved, God couldn't take, could not make the human body His temple. That is why the symbol of the Holy Spirit, that is the oil, was dabbed or smeared on individuals. But God, despite it just being something that came on them, found a way to work with the Israelites. So I believe that the anointing is what God is doing through you when He starts rubbing off in you. We should be a really anointed, oily place. I remember a story when I was a, a, a high school's pastor and a, I was a youth pastor and a friend of mine, he was a youth pastor on the other side of the river. We were growing up in Perth and he got this revelation that he wanted to anoint his school with oil and he was a chaplain at that school. So he went with a few of his mates. I don't, let's not do this at La Trobe, okay? He went with a few of his mates and bought drums of like I'm talking the big ones. Like you don't need a lot of oil, do you? You don't need a lot of, a little bit of oil goes a long way. That'll preach all by itself. But this guy just anoint like to the point, he anointed the entire school in biblical proportions, okay? To the point that the school thought they'd been vandaled, let alone they found out it was their own chaplain just doing something for the Lord. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, and then we'll get to our text. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So what do we have? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. How do we have this treasure in earthen vessels? What is this treasure? It's the presence of God within us now. It's the Holy Spirit within us now. We have it within earthen vessels the vessel hasn't changed. It's just been purified. It's been made holy because of the finished work of Jesus. Let's go to Acts 10, 38, just as we talk a little bit more about the anointing. How God anointed, listen to this. This is crazy. This is why if you're a Christian, you just need to just stop thinking about lunch and start leaning into this message. Because look at this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Even Jesus, even Jesus, God thought it was fitting that even Jesus be anointed by the Holy Spirit. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Why? Because he was God-man. And when the anointing comes on, what the anointing is doing, when the anointing is on you and moving through you, it's God on flesh doing things that flesh can't do. The problem with the, can we just, can we go there this morning? The problem with the Western church, can we make it a little bit personal? The problem with my faith and your faith is that we have no requirement for the anointing. 
because we have nothing that we need to believe God for. Now, listen, do not confuse what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you don't have the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying you don't need the Holy Spirit's power because you live in safe Western Christian land where you have everything you need. And the most off-putting thing about being in a worship service is not whether you're going to make it out alive of that service because someone saw that you were a Christian or not, like in some countries, but because the air conditioning doesn't work. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching right now. You're wondering how long is this guy going to preach the Word of God, whereas the country that Gavin's going to are saying, how if we can only just get a Bible in our hands... And the reason you have no hunger is because you've stopped living in the realm of faith and you've embraced the land of comfort. So you don't need the anointing. A few more things about the anointing, then we'll get to our text. It's gonna be a good day. It is a good day. The anointing, I've just got these, these few thoughts for you. The anointing, the Old Testament anointing came on you. You can take a photo of these. The Old Testament anointing came on you. The New Testament anointing comes in you. It is within you. You do not need me as your pastor. You do not need a spiritual advisor to conjure up some anointing. Now, don't hear me wrong. The book of Romans in chapter one, Paul says, man, I'm eagerly desiring that I can be with you so that I can impart a spiritual gift so that I can impart something spiritual to you. There is something of the Spirit of God inside of you that is activated when you allow, uh, when you allow men and women of God to pray for you, to prophesy over you, to speak into your life. Impartation happens. I can't explain it with logic. All I can just say is that if you would open up your heart and allow and believe that you're going to receive something from God, then when someone prays for you, when someone prays for you, something powerful of the presence of God will begin to manifest in your life, in your body, in that moment. The Old Testament anointing came on you, but the New Testament anointing comes in you. It comes from the indwelling of the Spirit and through manifestation. Uh, Old Testament, a prophet, like I've explained, would anoint. He would anoint priests, kings, people, different things for assignments. But in the New Testament, the New Testament, we have a prophet that fulfilled all the prophets and his name is Jesus. And so if you're really needing the oil, please don't come to me. I'm a man of God for sure. But please, by all means, go to the prophet that is Jesus. He is the one that carries an oil that can change nations through your hands. He is the one, when you ask for the anointing that is in Him, when you say, Holy Spirit, you say, Jesus, anoint me with fresh oil. He's the kind of God that just speaks a word over a tomb and Lazarus comes forth. He is the type of God that when you say, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I thought the thought courtesy cloth, someone fell down. Don't worry about it, man. He's the kind of God that when you begin to pray and you ask for Him, because in your strength, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. He's the one that very easily can make it come to pass according to His will. 
The Holy Spirit is inclusive. In other words, we all, through Jesus, have access to the Holy Spirit. But the anointing is exclusive. You say, why is it exclusive? Because it pertains to a specific purpose of sanctification and administration. What I mean by administration is not like get out your Excel spreadsheets and take notes. I mean the administration of a gift, the outworking, the execution of what that life, what that thing, what that, what that item was designed for. And this is one of the things that I wanna come home to you today is partly the reason why we live unanointed lives is because we're trying and we, we, we want desperately, we want desperately to live and to have the anointing that someone else has. Because somewhere in the last 30 to 50 years, we've taught the church that anointing is success. That what anointing looks like is someone famous. And so we've got this desire that is in our psyche. It's in your thinking, it's in my thinking that if I can just be like that because I deem that to be successful, then I'll be anointed. And like David, David refused to wear Saul's armour because David, unlike Saul, Saul was anointed to wear that armour. David was not anointed to wear that armour. He was not cold. And so we have cumbersome, unanointed, unmobile Christians trying to slay Goliath with weapons and an armour that actually ends up killing them. A lot of you have burnt out in the past because you've tried to wear someone else's armour and you haven't understand, understood the gift of limits. You've, just, you've thought serving God is saying yes to everything. <laughs> no, serving God is saying yes to your assignment. Serving God is saying to this looks weird, but it's just a sling and a stone. But what about the shiny armour? No, friend. Resist it. So purpose and anointing are connected. And I want to say this, God does not anoint if there is no purpose. The very reason for his anointing is to fulfil purpose. Can we go to this text today? We're going, we'll be done soon, don't worry. By my clock, we've got hours left. 1 Samuel 16, you're going to be there. I want to start by reading uh, 1 Chronicles, just a few verses to set this up. 1 Chronicles 2, 13 to 16 reads, it says, Jesse was the father of Eliab, his firstborn. The second son was Abinadab. The third, Shemir. If you're having a baby, just take these as a prophetic word. The fourth, Nathaniel. The fifth, Radai. The sixth, Ozem. The seventh, David. And his sisters were Zeruiah, I can't even say it, and Abigail. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16. You ready? Man, we are coming somewhere today. 
Oh my! I could not sleep last night. I'm I'm. I slept a bit. The Lord said to Samuel, "How long will you mourn for Saul, since I've rejected him, King? I've rejected him, King over Israel." Fill your horn with oil, there's the the anointing, and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons. Now there's so much in this text this morning um, that we could be talking about vision and purpose and all those sorts of things. And remember, another name for a prophet in the Old Testament is, is a seer, someone that sees someone that sees. And notice the prophet that hears so clearly, isn't it interesting how God withholds some of the details from even the man of God? Because sometimes details, if God were to give you all the details, it would actually disable you from moving forward. So God gives you what you can handle in that moment. Because if he gives you all of it, number one, you don't need to live in faith when you get in that moment. You shut off your ear from hearing and seeing what the Spirit wants to say. And so the Lord is saying to Samuel, how long will you mourn? Instead of saying, I'm sending you, there's this dude, his name's David. You're gonna anoint him. He just gives him a bit of information. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Pause. Even the prophet, right? This should help your life. It helped my life when I saw this. Even the prophet is half connected to what God is saying and half connected to what his flesh is saying. Even the prophet is tethered to the natural realm. He's speaking with God, but he's also fearing man. See what he says there? How can I go? If Saul hears about it, (laughs) he'll kill me. And you and I are like that, aren't we? Because when God invites us on a journey, he doesn't invite us into something small. He invites us and he doesn't invite us into something that is already within our comfort zone. He invites us into something that only He can sustain. And so He will always call you out of where you are into a place that only His presence can sustain. Even if it means breaking fear out of your life. And so don't be surprised that 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 happens. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You would anoint for me the one I Indicate. Samuel said the Lord, Sam, Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Like look how the, how the towns think about him versus how he thinks about himself. When he, when he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they saw Samuel, sorry, when when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before the Lord. The prophet, the seer. 
the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Now it's dealing with who should be anointed. This text now is dealing with who should be anointed, okay? Now, side note, when God, God did not want an earthly king. God allowed the Israelites to have a king because they kept nagging him for one. And so God gave them the king that the people wanted. And the king that the people wanted was someone that was strong. The Bible describes Samuel, uh, the Bible describes Saul, sorry, as someone that was, he was, he was big. He got that Eltham Ridge gym membership. He was there at the gym. He was doing his thing. He was massive. He was benching. He was proficient. He was all those sorts of things that you would want in an earthly king. He is smart. He was all these things. When you look at him, he was these things. So Samuel thinks that God, the next king, he's basing what God wants to do in this season on the voice that he heard for the last season. But God's saying, I don't look at the outward appearance. That's how man look. Man think things are anointed that look good through man's eyes. But I anoint the obscure things. I anoint, I move through things that seem insignificant. Not the ones that have the skinny leg jeans and look all good, the ones, the ones that are the ones that society just pass by. I anoint the ones that the world have rejected and said nothing good could come from. And then Jesse. The Lord, Lord, the Lord looks at the heart, verse 8, and then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, or Shimea. Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So, Je- so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have. They're still the youngest, (laughs) Jesse answered, tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Could you imagine how annoyed the brothers would be? We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had brought him in. He was glowing with health and with a fine appearance and handsome features, just like me, hey babe. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. Just making sure people are listening. (laughs) Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David and Samuel went to Ramah. You have an anointing. But you're not anointed because of why you think you're anointed. You're anointed for something else. This is what I want to do in closing. 
I want to help you to see, I want to, I want to teach you in these last 10 minutes of why you're anointing, why not you're annoying, why you're anointed, why you're anointed. I also want to help you to see some of the reasons why you think you would be anointed, but they're not really the reasons of why you're anointed. I began to ask the Lord, and I've done this study before, but just this week, out of a conversation I was having with Bill, we were talking about the anointing, we were talking about the call of God, and we were talking about God's plan and His purpose. And we were sitting in a cafe, and honestly, the Holy Spirit started coming on that almond milk latte. It was amazing. And God really stirred me up to start looking in this again as we go into this year to talk about vision and talk about the great things that are going to come, the purpose by which we're going to live. And the Lord said, don't forget the anointing. Don't forget in order to get there, you're going to need to have a, you're not going to need to be a part of a company of people that don't rely on their own strength, but lean and trust in the Holy Spirit and His work more than ever. Because Matt, where you are going, if you would allow me to lead you, is a place that no man or woman can get to in their own strength. Where, you, where God's taking you in your business, where God's taking you in your relationship, where God's taking you in your thinking, you cannot get there by yourself. You need the unction of the Holy Spirit. You need His anointing oil. You need the Holy Spirit to rub off on the inside of you so that whoever you come into contact with, you become uh, someone that smears and rubs the oil and the anointing of God on them too. And I did this study on the brothers of David. Let's go to the first one, Eliab. I want to talk to you about the anointing. Eliab. Eliab's name means my, father, my God is my father. Eliab represents the profession of religion. Eliab. There was a reason he looked good on the outside, Eliab, but Samuel the prophet, the Lord said to him, even though Samuel thought that that was the anointed one, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the outside can be very deceiving. And I've done two categories here, those that are wanting to be anointed and those religious people that think they are anointed and what it means for them. The Eliabs in the room wanting to be anointed Think like this, the more works of religion or religious activity I do equals the more anointing. If I sing louder, if I jump higher, if I'm at more things, I'm going to be more anointed. I'll be anointed as a result of the religious things I do. And so their focus is on works because works equate to God's favour, and if I do more things for God, then God is going to do more things for me. (laughs) And so Eliab is this person that you might be sitting next to today. And because of your, your broken, immature identity in Christ, you're saying, I need to do more religious things to be anointed. The religious person that thinks they're anointed says because my anointing came from doing things I must continue to maintain continue them to maintain my anointing 
I copy others that I deem anointed to continue to appear anointed because religion does not innovate, it copies. That's why a good, can I take this into church land for you? Is that all right? That's why a good preacher becomes popular somehow, right? The internet, all the rest of it. Thank God for technology, I love it. I listen to preaching all the time, I'm not mocking it. But that's then why, because we look at a style and we think the style's anointed. No, the style's just them. I remember there was years as a young preacher trying to find my identity. Any preacher that rolled through town, next week you're getting T.D. Jakes, the week after you're getting Bill Johnson, the week after, oh God, you know, you're getting Brian Houston, you're getting all these different preachers because I thought the anointing was in the style, but the anointing was in the person. It's not about the style. And so because religion copies, we have all these people preaching Stephen Furtick messages on Sunday, but with no fruit. And we have all these churches that are clones of every other church because we think the anointing is in the religious activity of propelling and propping up the service. You know, there are gonna be some weeks, can we have a family chat? There are going to be some weeks you're going to rock up here and the coffee machine might not be plugged in. Yeah, I know, you, I'm not back next week. And you say, why is that? Well, if we can't have the volunteers to do it, we're not just going to continue religious activity so that you can be caffeinated in church. I'm just okay with that. We'll do our best to have the coffee, don't worry. But you know what I'm saying? Because we're not just here to entertain and to keep Eliab thinking he's anointed. Go to the next name, please, Michael. Eliab, the next name on the list is Abinadab. I believe I spelt that incorrectly, my apologies. It means my father is noble. This represents earthly inheritance, thinking that you're anointed because of who you're connected to. The person wanting to be anointed says, I will be anointed when I connect or receive approval from the right people or the right group. So they are, they are passionate about trying to be in the in circle. They're passionate about, you know, they're, they're, they're people that come into church, think the church is clicky. It's not clicky. It's just people have relationships and you're new. And it's like, how do I get in the pastor's circle? How do I get in this circle? How do I, because some circles are more anointed than others. That's what the person wanting to be anointed thinks. But the truth is, is the person that we all should be desiring to connect with, of course, each other, but above all that is the Holy Spirit because He is the source of the anointing in the first place. The religious person thinking they're anointing says, I'm anointed because of the spiritual father or in Abinadab's name, a case, Jesse, or the church or the group I'm a part of. And I need to stay connected to stay anointed because I believe my anointing comes from man. I believe my anointing comes from the covering that I'm under. That's false teaching. I'm just setting it straight. The covering that you're under is not, you're not under my covering. You're under the covering of Jesus. Okay? 
and we believe in leadership and accountability and all those sorts of things. But when it pertains to your mindset around what you should be doing for God and whether you're anointed or not, you have direct access to Jesus. Let's go to the next name, Shimeon. Shimeon's name means astonishment. And we've fallen in love with this in our generation that we would prefer to be astonished than be anointed. Astonishment does not mean anointing. The shimia in this room says, I need to do something astonishing or be astonished to be anointed because my worth and value comes from doing and not being. We have a fame culture that has indoctrinated the church. We elevate preachers more than we do Jesus. We get in our cars and go to different events because the, 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 our favourite speaker says, nothing wrong with that. Until your motivation becomes exposed because you don't attend anything else. The religious person thinking they're anointed says, I confuse anointing with astonishment. So I'm always trying to do something bigger and better to prove that I'm anointed. What's next? We've done this, now how do I do this next thing? Because we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. Nathaniel, his name means given of God. Given of God, Nathaniel. Sorry, Michael. Thanks, bro. His name means given of God. He represents talent. I'm anointed, but my anointing is, is not just determined. I see anointing and talent as the same thing. The person wanting to be anointed says, my anointing and my talent, this is how they think, are synonymous. They're one in the same. And because I've been taught that God, capital G, anoints my talents, so I need to be talented in some area that benefits the church. The problem is there is always someone more talented than me. To be anointed, I work time into my talent rather than time with the Holy Spirit. I value development of my talent rather than intimacy with God because ultimately I want fame over anointing, a fame culture. The religious person says, the more talented someone is, the more anointed they are. Isn't that true? You could sing like Mariah Carey, but you could be dry of the anointing. And I've heard people that should not sing in public carry such a purity carry such a depth of worship because it's coming from their heart. The more talented, I think I'm anointed because I'm talented because the church has valued talent over anointing and that culture has taught me to value the same. See, fame over anointing, we need to go there because we, we value fame too much. And we put, if you, if you notice, I wrote up there that we put more time into talent because in our brains, being anointed and being talented are the same things. 
But God's got this really amazing way to come upon ordinary things and make them extraordinary. It's less to do with the thing, right? Or, or God's availability, or God, God wanting to anoint or not. And more to do with, is that thing ready to receive the anointing? And fame, fame says, fame, fame, fame fills buildings. It does. It's easy to build a fast church with famous people. Fame fills buildings, but the anointing fills heaven with people. Fame attracts more fame, but the anointing attracts, attracts heaven and sees breakthrough and transformation, formation into the image of Jesus. Fame gets noticed by earth only, but the anointing gets noticed by heaven and earth. We could keep going, but we don't have time. The next one. Radai, there's a good name. His name literally means rule or have dominion. He represents title or position. The person wanting to be anointed says, I'll be anointed when I get the position or title. They think that big, they think that the name, they think that the position means that they are anointed. The religious person is thinking with title comes anointing. So I've got to keep increasing. This is the person that's been in church for a while. I've got to keep increasing my involvement and keep going up this, this hierarchical church system that we have. So, uh, because I could never go to something what's deemed as smaller because that would be deemed as not or less anointed. But God's got this funny way of exalting the humble. The next one, Ozum. His name means strong. This can represent being academically, intellectually, politically, financially, physically, etc. In order to be anointed, I must be strong in worldly ways. Or I must maintain the system and the things that keep me strong in these areas to be anointed because fundamentally I believe the anointing produces strength. So the more worldly strength I have, that must mean the anointing is on me. Can you see how and why Samuel or God through Samuel skipped over these people? I'm sorry, we're nearly done, I promise you. I know it's hot. But this is important. Can you see why Samuel? Because we're thinking we're anointed because of religion. We're anointed because of these things. But God passes by all of them. God passes by all of them and picks David. Do you know what David's name means? This is why God chose David and this is why God chooses to anoint you. Put it up, Michael. His name simply means my beloved. The David wanting to be anointed says, I, I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. I'm, I'm just anointed because I'm loved. I'm okay with others' anointings I'm, and I'm secure in my own. Again, I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. There's nothing I can do. I'm just anointed because I'm loved. 
Remember the anointing always runs in tandem with purpose. And so maybe the reason why you don't see the anointing manifest in your life is because you're not in purpose. I didn't, I'm not saying you need to get a new job. I'm saying you need to see that job as worship to him. Are you with me? And there are, so there are two reasons in my mind why people remain unanointed. As number one, write this down because they're not living on purpose. Or number two, because their receiving is not working. Either they're not working, they're receiving, or something's trying to block it. And at times we think that blocking, it can be demonic forces, but more often than not, it's the person responsible for the receiving that's blocking the receiving. Your heart is hard. Your love for the world is greater than your love for God. It's the parable of the soil. You need that soft soil, that soft heart to receive. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to close. Acts 19 tells us a story that handkerchiefs and aprons were taken to the Apostle Paul. The Bible tells us that they were anointed Those handkerchiefs were anointed. They were anointed. Have you ever stopped to think why God did not just anoint the person that their loved one was in need of a miracle? Have you ever stopped to think why He chose a piece of cloth And as I contemplated that question this week, I began to think it's because the cloth had a greater ability to receive the anointing and not contaminate it than the person that needed the miracle did in the first place. So I come to Paul saying, my daughter needs to be healed. Paul, through his discernment, says you are not going to be able to receive the anointing because you're either not in the space of receiving or because there is some sort of blockage or restriction. And so I'm going to put the anointing in a cloth and you're going to take that cloth and that cloth is going to carry the healing. This is the Bible, this isn't me. To another person, it's freaky, isn't it? crazy to think about but I just wonder I began to think and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me this week into my heart and say Matt who are you have you stopped receiving or do you have an open heart can you be like that cloth that will absorb the presence of God for the assignment and for the will of God for your life So come on, we're just going to open up our hearts just for one minute, two minutes. We're just going to receive from Him. We're going to say, God, here's my heart. It's hard. God, here's my heart. I haven't opened up to You for a while, but here it is. And I want You to come, Holy Spirit, and I want You to fall afresh on me today. Anoint me with fresh oil. Anoint me, Jesus, today. 
Fill me with your glory and with your power. Fill me with your glory and with your power. Fill me with your glory and with your power. Fill me with your glory. Fill me with your anointing. Holy Spirit, I know that you're within me. As a believer in Jesus, I know your spirit dwells within me. I'm asking for your anointing for the assignment that you have for my life. I'm asking that you would come upon me. I'm asking that your enabling power, I receive your, I receive that work of your spirit inside of me. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. I receive it right now. Father, I need your anointing to be a husband. I need your anointing to be a parent. I need an, your anointing to be a leader. Father, I need your anointing to be a servant. I need your anointing, Father. I know the place that you're taking me, God. I know, Father, I've seen it in the Spirit. I know I can't get there on my own. I need your anointing. And so I open up my heart to receive from you, King Jesus. I open up my heart to receive from you, Lord. Open up my heart to receive from you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't earn it. I could never earn it. I don't deserve it. But Father, because of your grace, I receive the free gift right now. I receive the gift of your manifest presence right now. I receive the gift right now of your manifest presence right now. And see, this is what the anointing does when you, when you bring yourself before Him. He goes, great, well, I can't have someone in their assignment that's still struggling with mental, mental health issues. I, I, where you're going, God says, I want to I fix that up. I want to do something. I want to release something over your life. I want to I set you free today in ways that you thought were impossible. And so, Father, today we just give you all the praise and all the glory. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I'm praying today that this, this, this week, this, this day today would be a setup that we would lean in to your anointing, to who you are. We bless your name. Bless your name.